For the prophet Isaiah foretells the coming of the promised king who will bring peace. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the lands of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when divided in the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Hi everyone, let me add my welcome to Pete's from the start. Great to see you here as we come to this very famous uh, reading at Christmas time from the prophet Isaiah. Did you know one of almost 500 prophecies written in the Bible about the person of Jesus Christ? Now growing up I have to admit that I was pretty ignorant to these prophecies. I thought that Jesus just turned up on the scene 2,000 years ago and that's when Christianity began. I had no idea that there were all these very specific prophecies written hundreds of years and in some cases over 2,000 years before he was born. Prophecies like where exactly the town, the name Bethlehem, that he would be born of a virgin, which is pretty hard to fake, that later on in life he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver, that ultimately he would die by having his hands and feet pierced. Even though crucifixion wouldn't be invented for another, well, ages since that prophecy, but the Romans, a thousand years before they started to use it as a form of capital punishment. Now, I was astounded when I first heard about this. It didn't persuade me outright, convince me outright of the truth of Christianity, but it certainly well, turned my head and made me wonder if perhaps there's more to this Christianity than previously I'd given it credit for. But what really got me and what really captured my heart was the person that all these prophecies spoke about. And do you notice how the prophet Isaiah describes Jesus towards the end there? These four names, these four titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, what do these mean? What are their relevance for us today? Well, let's take a look now. First, wonderful counsellor, which speaks of Jesus' wisdom. 
Now, I happen to be married to a counsellor, uh, a counselling psychologist, and I have to say that, yep, she is the wise one in uh, our family, and I would describe it as wonderful to have someone who I can pour out my concerns and my issues to, and someone who listens to me, and someone who gives me advice and guides me in the right way, and being married to a counsellor, it's all for free, and I don't have to pay the ridiculous amount of money that it is. Um, but it's not just me. The fact that counselling, its increasing popularity nowadays in this country, shows that we are all aware of our need for help and our need for wisdom to navigate through life. Um, but my wife does not have all the answers. She is not all-knowing by her own admission. There are some of my issues she can't help me with. <laughs> yep, some of you know me very well. When it comes to Jesus Christ, there is nothing that he cannot help us with. That word wonderful in the original Hebrew is a much weightier term than we use in everyday language today. It speaks of an incomparable wisdom, literally a mind-boggling wisdom, such that by age 12, Jesus is in the temple with the teachers of the law, and they are astounded at his wisdom, his answers, his knowledge of the law itself. And by the time he's age 30 and he starts his ministry, immediately people keep saying over and over again, we have never heard anything like this. Such wisdom from this carpenter from Nazareth. How does he know so much about our lives? He seems to know my thoughts and what's going in my heart. Jesus always knew exactly what to say. Whoever the person was, whatever the situation they were facing, Jesus had an answer for everything. Wonderful counsellor. I don't know if you ever find yourself wrestling with some of the big questions of life. Where have we come from? Where are we going to? Why are we even here? Perhaps you are unsure right now what to be doing with your life, what job to apply for, whether to stay in your current job, what to do when you retire. Perhaps you are someone here and you're just wondering how you're going to make it through Christmas in one piece. We all need wisdom, we all need help, and the prophet Isaiah is saying, here is that help. All the help you will ever need, this wonderful counsellor, born to us. And that's the first name, that's the first title that speaks of Jesus' wisdom. The second speaks of Jesus' power. Mighty God. The central claim of Christmas is that this baby born in a manger, this baby that we celebrate, is no ordinary human baby, but is God himself come to earth. Born of Mary, and so fully human, but also born of the Holy Spirit, and so fully divine. Despite all the medical and technological advances we've experienced in the West over the past 100 years, we are still plagued with the same old problems. Death, disease, wars, conflict, poverty, oppression, injustice, 
greed, selfishness, man's inhumanity to man. Bill Gates says he wants to eradicate malaria in a generation. Mark Zuckerberg wants to eradicate all diseases by the end of this century. And I, for one, applaud them for their ambition, for their generosity, the amount of money they are giving to these projects, their commitment to it. But you can empathize with people's skepticism, including those within the scientific community, when we are still struggling to find a cure for the common cold. We long for a better world. We long for a world where there's no suffering, sickness, disease, death. We long for it. We long to be part of it. But who really is able to bring that in? Who has that sort of power? And the prophet Isaiah is saying, this baby, this child given to us, he has that power such that he grows up. And what does he do? He says to a leper, the cancer of the day, be clean, and immediately he is cleansed. He says to a paralytic who can't even walk, whose legs have not been working for years, I say to you, get up, take your mat and walk, and immediately he gets up to the astonishment of everyone there. With just a word, Jesus calms the storm. With just a touch, he gives sight to the blind. The deaf hear, the mute speak. Three people are brought back from the dead as if Jesus was just waking them up from their sleep. He heals whole villages in a day. The power at Jesus' disposal. Now, of course, you'll want to look into that for yourself and check whether these things really happened and the reliability of the gospel accounts. But if Jesus Christ has this sort of power, then of course he can make this world right again. If he made this world, he can fix this world. He is mighty God and he has given us a glimpse of that future already when he was with us here on earth. That is the second name. That is the second title. Mighty God, his wisdom, his power, and now his love. Everlasting Father. Tragically, there will be many children this Christmas without a father around. You've probably read about the fatherless generation and the 1.8 million children in the UK growing up without a dad at home. We feel that here as a church family. We feel it here in Islington. Kids without dads, without a male role model. Feelings of rejection, abandonment, anger. Mums left to fend for themselves. Look, and it could be that, you know, that's you. A crowd of this size. Highly likely that for some here, Christmas is not going to be the same this year because of that empty chair around the table. A father who has passed away this year. A father who's no longer around. A father who was never around in the first place. Of course, no father is perfect. I'm a father of four. I'm fully aware of all my own faults and failings but what would it look like to have a father who is always there for you just as it should be a father who will never leave you or forsake you who loves you who accepts you who provides protects for you and models to you what life is about that is the picture the prophet Isaiah is painting here of Jesus Christ, 
this son, this child, he'll grow up to be like a perfect father. And not just that, he's an everlasting father. So that not even death itself can separate you from his love. Now, is that not the sort of relationship and the sort of security in relationship that we all long for? Someone who is always there for you, someone who will never let you down. Someone who accepts you just as you are with all your faults and failings and says, I'm here for you, I love you, but someone who does not leave you where you are and offers forgiveness and models to you the right way to go and gives you his wisdom and power to achieve it. That is what Christmas is about. And there's still one more title to go. Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's a famous story from the First World War. You may well have heard of it. True story. Christmas Day, 1914. And both on the English side and the German side, they lay down their arms and they call a truce, they meet in no man's land, they're singing carols together, they're exchanging gifts, they're even kicking a football around. Because, you know, deep down we know what Christmas is about. It's about peace. Peace between one another, this very profound moment in this First World War, this devastatingly violent war, and it stopped. This moment of peace... And the thing is, it was just momentary. December 26th, they picked up their arms, they started shooting each other again, and the war continued. When the prophet Isaiah describes Jesus as a prince of peace, he is talking about a peace which never ends. The very next sentence says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. It is the sort of peace we all long for. And right at the heart of it all is peace between us and God. I don't know where you are with God at the moment, whether you're on the run from him deliberately, ignoring him, just not too fussed about him. Could be for some here you feel very much at war with him, with what's going on in your life. But I hope you can see Why Jesus Christ was born. To bring us back to God. To bring peace between us and him. Jesus Christ did not come to judge us. As some people have this view of God. Even though he would have every right to the way we treat him naturally. Jesus did not come to judge us. He came to save us. Peace on earth and mercy mild we're about to sing. God and sinners reconciled. And how ultimately did Jesus do that? And bring that reconciliation? By dying for us. This wonderful counsellor who became one with us in our humanity so he could take on our sin, this mighty God who became weak for us and lay down his arms and lay down all his power, 
so he can go to the cross. This everlasting father who himself was separated from his father in heaven for our sin in our place so we could be accepted by the father. This prince of peace who bore our sin and shame for us and all of God's righteous animosity at our failings, our faults, the darkness in every human heart. Jesus did this, all this for us. So that we could know his wisdom, his power, his love, his peace in our lives this Christmas. Now I don't know how you react when you hear this. For some here, this might be the first time you're hearing it and you'll want to look into it some more. For others here, you may have heard this many, many times. You know intellectually about the joy of Christmas. You hear about the people rejoicing in the passage, but it's just not doing it for you. It feels abstract. It feels distant. It's interesting. It's just not, it's not, if that is you, it might just be that you are yet to fully grasp, as I did not fully grasp for many years, just how personal the Christian message is. For unto us, a child is born unto us, you, me, a child is given. 353,000 babies are born every day in this world. That's an interesting fact. It's pretty abstract. It's pretty distant. But what about a child being born to you? What difference does that make? When we had our first child, actually, when we had any of our four children, it wasn't interesting. It wasn't, di I mean, I, I was rejoicing. I was over the moon. I was telling everyone it changed everything. Do you see? This baby was born to you. Yes, it happened 2,000 years ago. Yes, it happened before you even existed. It was still, he was still born to you. Jesus Christ lived for you. Jesus Christ died for you. Jesus Christ rose from you. And all we have to do is trust in him and he will come back for us too. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. My hope and prayer is that every one of us here can rejoice in this reality. Rejoice in this person this Christmas. Let me stop there. Thanks for listening. Let me say a short prayer. Father God, thank you so much indeed for this reminder of the message of Christmas, that first Christmas when Jesus was born to us as this wonderful counsellor, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, this Prince of Peace. And I pray that each and every one of us would know his wisdom, his power, his love, his peace in our lives this Christmas. Ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.